We're having some fun here this morning, aren't we? You know, the true sign of a musician is even their high five was on beat. That was, that was impressive. All right, well, um, I wanted to start out today with something a little, a little lighter. Um, it just feels like there's just so much just like, blah, going on in right now, right? I mean, just in the last few years, it's been like that, right? But it feels like everybody I know right now has COVID, and it just is like, ugh. And then everything else, January is just like the like most depressing month of the year because it's cold and there's snow and blah, and then in Christmas, all the holiday stuff is over. I read last week, it was like, um, I forget which day it was, it was like the number one day for depression in the entire year. It's like, how do you even measure that? I don't know. But still, it's just like, I think we can all feel that, right? So I wanted to start off today with something a little light. And um, also today is basically just Pulse for grown-ups. So if you don't know what that is, Pulse is our high school group. Yay! That's right. So if it's a little weird today, um, I'm not sorry. It's just what's going to happen. So um, at Pulse, as Nick can attest to, we like to watch stupid videos because, well, we all like to watch stupid videos, right? So I thought we'd just start off today with some stupid videos. So go ahead and play the first one. Uh, that's great, isn't it? Do it again. Do that again, Kyle. Let's let's just do that again. That's great. That's great. I don't really endorse TikTok, but also the great part is you can just click that sound. And I think I got on a rabbit trail last night of about 30 minutes of just watching people do that. So that's my life. All right, next one. Anybody have a hoverboard? Because I need to do this. this. This one isn't for you. This one is for me. All right, I saw a hand. We're, next week, we're doing this. All right, next one. Do you know that most of the Star Wars prequels were actually filmed on a green screen? This is because they couldn't afford to actually travel to different planets. There you go. I did not know that. So now you know. Now you know. All right, next one. Oh, you can laugh, Nick. It's okay. It's okay. All right, next one. This is really what I spend all day doing is watching dogs on TikTok. So, next one. Oh, this one's bad. It feels a little wrong to laugh at that one, doesn't it? But, but it's okay. It's okay. All right, next one. Oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you He's so steady. Do 
personally, this is my favorite kind of worship. Like, I want to go to that church. That looks amazing. All right, and then last one. They tried so hard to not laugh. All right, so one of the other things we like to do at, at, at Pulse is play games. So we're going to play a little game next. So I've got some volunteers prepared because I know your grown-ups will never volunteer for anything. So Luke, you've been voluntold. You're going to come on up. And then uh, Jack and my son Levi are going to come up. I'm going to move this over here a little bit. All right, so here's how the game is going to work. You guys are going to be blindfolded. So it's the other use for masks. Um... Should be happy. Last time we put diapers on people's heads as masks, or, or as blindfolds. So you guys be blindfolded. We're going to bring out a box. And in this box is a normal household item. You're going to reach into the box, feel it, and then guess what the item is. All right? But don't guess right away because we'll make sure everybody gets to feel it first. So Jack, can you step this way just a little bit? Luke, just a couple steps the other way. There we go. Perfect. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not scary. No, okay, perfect. Perfect. Luke, go ahead, reach out. How's that feel? Kind of like a snake. Oh, psh, no guesses yet. Wait till it bites you. Okay. All right, Luke. All right, Levi, here you go. Reach in there. Happy? Good. Yeah, good. All right, Jack, go ahead, reach down in there. It's not like poop, is it? You know, Levi threatened me with that last night to not do that. So, so you're, you're safe. Do I pick it up? Do whatever you want to it, Jack. Just don't throw it. <laughs> got to have some rules. Oh, there's rules. All right, Jack, you're going to guess first. Everybody got your guess? No cheating. Don't like whatever they said. Go, oh, I'm just changing to that, okay? What's your guess, Jack? Some kind of slime. Slime, okay. Levi, what's your guess? Maybe some kind of like noodles. Noodles, okay. Luke? Cooked pasta. Cooked pasta. Well, two of you are correct. Go and show your mask down. Levi, you had a head start because this is what we had for dinner last night. But <laughs> Some cooked pasta. There we go. All right, good job. So we got, we're going to count that as a point for both of you, Jack. You got you come back. You know, it's back there. Uh, <laughs> it's back there for afterwards. Yeah. All right, here comes number two. As soon as Keisha brings the box back out, blindfolds back up. Hopefully she's nice this time. How was that, Levi? I don't know. You don't know? He's like, I want to go back to Kid Crossing. All right, here we go. Box number two, Luke. <laughs> okay. Levi. Okay, good. Jack. I love how you can still see facial expressions through a mask. <laughs> All right, good. This time we're going to start down here with you, Luke, because you're in the lead, so you're going first. What's uh, your guess? Stuffed animal. Stuffed animal. Here, you want to take it back? Get the next one ready. Stuffed animal. Okay. Levi? A circle stuffed animal. A circle stuffed animal. Jack? It's definitely a stuffed something. Pikachu. It's a stuffed Pikachu. Wow. I'm, imp I'm impressed, Jack. All right. Uh, well, we, we took it away, but it was actually a stuffed a smiley face emoji thing. So, you know, a point for everybody. Oh, point for point everybody. Point for everybody. Jack, it wasn't Pikachu, but you get an extra point. 
Right. You, get, you call that the Pokemon poke. I have two now. Everybody's got two. Awesome. All right, here we go. That's good. That's good. All right, go ahead, Luke. Reach down in there. There's a box in the box. There you go. Mm, this one smells good. Oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't say that. All right. You got this one out of the guinea pig cage, I think. Got to reach in the box. There you go. <laughs> All right. You good, Levi? All right. And Jack. All right. Okay. Give that to you. I'm going to hold on to this one. All right, Levi, this time you're guessing first. Coffee beans. Jack? Too small for coffee beans. Um, candy. Candy? It's basically the same thing. I mean, come on. And Luke? I agree, too small for coffee beans, but I'm going to go with something coffee. Something coffee. All right, well, take your masks off. It is, in fact, coffee beans. Oh. Levi, you get a point. You're ahead. Three to two. We're making the rules up as we go. You guys measured coffee bean sizes. They, they know. They know. All right, mask is back on. Last one. I do have it in my hand. I got it. You're good. Okay. All right, last one. Here we go, Luke. Go ahead and feel down in there. There you go. Okay, that's it. You got it. All right, Levi. There you go. I was aggressive. You got it? All right. That's it. That's all that's in there. All right. Jack? Not in Grab it, Jack. Come on. Just, just. <laughs> well, because he's old? <laughs> She's so mean, Jack. She's like, <laughs> all right, Levi, you're in the lead, so you got to guess first. Um, what is it? Okay. One more time. Is that allowed? No. Only if you're under... Fifth grade. Uh, maybe like cinnamon, like a cinnamon a stick. A cinnamon stick? Yeah. Okay, okay. Luke? Oh, one of those mini M&M containers. Mini M&M container. If it's true, you can have it afterwards. That means it's not true. That's a hint. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Me? Yeah, your guess, oh, Jack. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you like, hey, guess, yeah, Jack. Yeah, on. sorry. This is. <laughs> right, so, um, Things are going great today. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay with um, with Levi. I'm gonna say it's a cinnamon stick because he's in the lead. So. All right. You well, you guys were. Yeah, you guys get to eat them now. Go and take your masks off. It's not M and M's. Oh, Keisha, they're supposed to bite it first. Keisha. No, all right. You all. All right. I'm not with COVID. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> All right, thank you guys. There you go. Yeah, give them a big round of applause. All right, set this back over here. All right, so that game, they were trying to reach in and try and tell what that object was. All things that they probably knew what it was, but interesting, even like a coffee bean, they're like, well, that's the wrong size of a coffee bean, right? Sometimes when we change our senses, it makes it a lot harder to identify what things are, right? Well, just like that game, sometimes experiencing God can feel like that game. It's not always easy to feel God, right? It's not always easy to feel God's presence, have that experience of, just, I'm just experiencing God. 
even though God is always around us and we've experienced it, but when we change our senses, it's sometimes hard to feel and experience God, which I find is interesting. And I think most of us want to experience God. We want to feel God's presence. I don't think you would be here today. We wouldn't be watching online if at some level we didn't want to experience God, feel God's presence. And it's such an important thing to experience God, right? But how? How do we do that? How do we do that on a normal, regular basis in our everyday, ordinary life? How do we experience God? How do we feel his presence? It's even kind of a hard thing to explain even what it is, right? But it's something that we all want, we all desire. And as a follower of Jesus, it's something I definitely want more in my life, something I've had in the past and I want more of. And if you're not a follower of God, if you're not a Christian and follower of Jesus, you know, it's something we should still want. It's one of the perks of being a follower of Jesus is we get to experience and be in his presence. One of the times I felt this more than like other times in my life, I was probably 17, 18, right at that end of high school kind of stage of life where you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I have to do with the entire rest of my life? I have to make one decision and then I'm stuck with that one thing for the rest of my life and it's this big, whole, overwhelming thing. No, it's not. Calm down. You're going to be just fine, right? But when you're 17, you don't know that. It's like this huge, big, overwhelming thing. And I was struggling with what am I supposed to do next? What does God want me to do with my life? And going over and over, and I was at this conference thing with a whole bunch of different, with my youth group we went and in the middle, as the end of the week, is the middle of this huge, long worship set with all this music, I could just feel God's presence. You know that feeling where you're just like, I can just like feel God in this place. I can feel God close to me. And so in this big auditorium, I just sat down and I was like, okay, God, I need an answer to this question. What am I supposed to do with my life? What's next? And I tried to just, in this room full of people all worshiping, it was loud. I tried to just sit down and just be still. And in that moment, I, I heard God. I don't know if it was like an audible voice or just something in my head, but I very clearly heard God say, go into ministry. And I was like, okay. So I've been trying to chase that down ever since. And I don't know if it was an audible voice. Honestly, it was probably just my youth pastor was sitting behind me and we'd been talking about this already. So it was probably just because it's something that I would do. It's like, go into ministry. Wow, that was great. Anyways. I've had other moments like that in my life, but if I'm honest, not as many as I wish. Not as often as I would like to have these moments where I just feel so close to God. And those moments are great. Those moments are humbling. Those moments are powerful. Those moments are real. Those moments are life-altering. So how do we get more of those moments, right? where we to feel God's presence, be with him, feel his power, feel his love, all of those things. Because I'm pretty sure that the reason I don't get more of those moments has nothing to do with God and everything to do with me. Because God is everywhere, right? Like God is whatever the theological term for that is. He's everywhere at all times. So it's not like God is far away ever. So when God feels far away, it's just that I don't recognize him were playing that game. They couldn't recognize those items even though they knew those items. How often do I not recognize God when he's close? So today I want to talk through a story in the Bible. It's a story that's always fascinated me. To be honest, some stories in the Bible I get kind of bored of. 
It's wrong, I know. You'll find out later today. I'm going to get struck by lightning at some point anyway. But this is one of those stories that really, just truly, every time I read it, I'm like, man, this is just, this is, there's so much in these few verses, and I have so many questions that I don't have answers to. And honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of the Bible is all the questions that I can't answer. But anyways, we're going to get into this story. It's in Luke chapter 2, which is famous for being the... um, Christmas story. It's the one that a lot of us like read on Christmas morning. We used to, you know, if my get together with my aunts and uncles, we'd try and recite it every year. And you know, sometimes we would, sometimes we wouldn't. But we're gonna skip all of that stuff, and we're gonna go to the end of that chapter in Luke chapter two. We're gonna start in verse forty-one, and we're gonna spend the next few minutes just kind of working our way slowly through it. And uh, I'm just gonna apologize now because we're basically gonna do this how I read the Bible, and so it gets weird because, well, if you know me, that makes sense. So, anyways, we're gonna start in chapter two, verse forty-one. Um, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So this was a totally normal thing. Every year, pretty much everybody in ancient Israel was commanded to go to Jerusalem for this big party. And this was like all of our holidays combined into, like this was the big one. So everybody would show up in Jerusalem for eight days and have this big giant party. And not only would everybody show up, but you know, it was hard to travel back then. So they would travel like as a town. This is going to be important later. They would travel as a town. They would all organize and gather up. and like, okay, we're all going to Jerusalem this day, meet in the square, and we're heading off. Let's go. Let's do it, right? So they do that. They do that every year. So they head off. They're doing that. Let's go to the next verse, Luke chapter verse 42. All right. So when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Okay, 12 years old. So um, probably doesn't feel like a huge deal, who cares, he turned 12, big deal, right? But, you know, for us, kid turns 12, <laughs> that just means a lot of hormones, <laughs> a lot of the 12-year-old stuff, all the preteen stuff. Like my kid, that was Levi, he's our oldest, so we're not quite to the preteen stage yet, but we know that it's coming soon, and gee, right? Like, to a preteen, like a parent is basically some kind of mixture of like, an Uber driver and like a prison warden. Like it's somewhere like those two, those two things. And so um, Jesus had just turned 12. And it's like, this is like my first question. Okay, well, like, what was Jesus like as a 12-year-old? And we're gonna get a little bit of some clues in this story, but like, what was Jesus like as a 12-year-old? Now, last week when Pete was speaking, he showed some pictures from his past. So I thought, well, I got to do that too if Pete did it. So thanks, Pete. Um, so here's a couple of pictures of me when I was a 12-year-old snot face jerk, jerk butt, jerk face. I know, so cute. I could do this and moon people. It was great. Uh, here's, I think there's one more. There we go. There's me as a 12-year-old jerk face. If you don't believe it, just ask either of my sisters because they will let you know. That I was not great. So in ancient Israel, we're going to get off that. Okay, move on. Perfect. In ancient Israel, when you turned 12, it was a big deal. It was a really, really big deal. That was like the first like step in you are now some adult kind of grown up like person. It was as you started shifting from being a kid to an adult. Now, I'm not going to do a whole thing on puberty right now, so you're lucky. But from everything that Keish and I have been studying recently, parents, we need to have that talk a lot sooner than we think. Moving on. So Jesus was, like, this was a big deal turning 12, going to this festival. Um, as a couple of scholars I read this week, uh, one being Matthew Clark, he said at the age of 12 was when a kid would be obliged 
to appear before the Lord at the three public festivals. So at this holiday, they had three big festivals. We're not going to get all that. But at 12, you got to go to them. You didn't have to like stay back with the kids. You got to go and appear before the Lord with the grown-ups. Big deal. This is also the age when you are obliged to begin to learn a trade. That's going to be important later. All right, so when I was in college, um, I, would, I was really bad about like calling my mom and coming home. And uh, mom, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. But I came home for Thanksgiving, and it was like our big all-family Thanksgiving. We're having at my aunt's house, which meant that we couldn't all be at one table. So we had like the grown-up table and the kid table. Totally normal thing, right? I was in college, and I showed up, and they're like, Brandon, you're at the kid table. And I was like, really? And my cousin, who's younger than me, she got to sit at the grown-up table all because she brought her idiot boyfriend, but, you know, whatever. I'm not still bitter. A little bit. <laughs> so there's these moments as a kid where you kind of grow up, right? Um, also, when I was a kid, uh, I remember this one time when my dad took me to McDonald's. We didn't go out to eat very often, even like fast food. We just, we just didn't do that much. And so it was always a big deal. But this time it was like extra special because I went to McDonald's, just me and my dad. We lived out in Brooklyn, whatever direction that is. And well, that McDonald's there just opened up and so we went there, and he was like, you know what? You're old enough now. You're not getting a Happy Meal. Why don't you order a Big Mac? And for me, I was like, oh, I'm full grown now. Watch out, world. I still don't feel like I'm full grown now, but you know what I mean? Like, it was a big deal. It was like this moment where I felt like I had grown up. Now, probably my dad just didn't want another one of those little cheap plastic toys laying around the house somewhere, but like, it was one of those moments. So for Jesus going to this festival, going to the Passover, being 12, like Luke puts that in there on purpose because this was a big deal. This was his, you're sitting at the grown-up table now moment. This was his, you're getting a Big Mac now moment. This was, this was a big deal. All right, let's, let's keep going. I'm getting lost in where we're even at. All right, so verse 43, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it. Not great, Bob. All right, verse 44. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. For a day. Not an hour. For a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, when I was like, you used to read the story, I used to be like, oh my gosh, like that's so, how do you do that? How do you leave your kid? And then I had kids. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Um, remember, they had just been at this giant holiday for eight days. Eight days away from home with all of your extended family for eight days. Some of your faces tell a lot of a story right now. Eight days. Days, imagine that, okay? That's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, right? Eight days. So after eight days, they leave. Now, remember, this is Jesus' first, like, I'm a sort of grown-up kind of, like, person event, right? And when they would travel, it was also normal for them to, like, okay, all the guys would kind of go together, and all, like, the, like, the, the women would kind of go together, and the kids always go with the women. So Mary's like, well, Jesus is, like, a grown-up type person now, so, like, He's with Joseph, and we don't know exactly how many other kids they had at this point, but we know Mary and Joseph had a lot of other kids, so it's, they probably had five or six other kids at this point. And so eight days with six kids, 
all your relatives, they're exhausted. They're tired. They're just trying to get home, right? So Mary assumes he's with Joseph. Joseph is like, well, no, he's like, he never came back with me. He always goes with Mary. So he assumes, so we can't beat Mary and Joseph up for this, okay? I think it happened. They go back to Jerusalem looking for Jesus. All right, verse 46. After three days, three days, three days. That's a lot of days to be missing a kid, right? I mean, like, that's a lot of days. This week, I was picking up my kids from school, and one of my kids, like, they, you know, they run out, and they usually just run out and they just stay right with me, right? And I'm talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, I look down, and one of my kids isn't here. And, like, you know, that panic that just, like, starts to set in, right? And I'm like, oh, no, like, where'd she go? Like, and I spent about three seconds not knowing where Dempsey was. And so I asked, like, one of the other parents, like, oh, no, have you seen Dempsey? And she's like, oh, she's just, she's just walking with a friend and talking down. You know, like, okay, no big deal. Like, she's right. Like, I spent three days, and I, like, pooped my pants, right? Can you imagine being Mary and Joseph? Three days of not knowing where your kid is, and not just your kid, but, like, you, you didn't just lose your kid. You lost the, like, creator of the world, <laughs> You lost, like, the person that's supposed to be the Savior for all of our sins. And, like, oh, sorry, God. Can you help us out? We don't really know where he is right now. Like, that's, right? So, okay, anyways, three days. Let's keep reading. Three, that's a long, this is every student pastor's worst nightmare. You take middle school kids anywhere, and you're going to leave one of them at Sky Zone, right? This is all of our worst nightmare. That's our worst nightmare. That's, that's our worst nightmare. Anyways, all right, so three days Later, let's keep reading. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. I love that part. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Bam. Jesus is just sitting here chilling the temple, basically like their, their church. And remember, all these people had gathered, all like the religious scholars were also here gathered. And so like there was a lot of just this and they loved having debates over scripture back then. And so there's all these like scholarly people here having these debates and then there's just a 12-year-old boy that's like schooling them all. Like I just, I, lo- I love that picture. But not only is he, you know, most 12-year-olds, if they know something, they're gonna let you know that they know it, right? But we also see Jesus here asking questions. We see Jesus here learning, which also fascinates me because he's God Almighty. He was their creator of the world. John makes it clear in John 1 that he was there creating in the beginning, but then he's here asking questions and learning. That's interesting. I love this part. Around 12 years old, a kid back then would also, uh, they, their, their school looked a lot different than ours. So when they were kids, everybody would go to school And then at certain points, only the best would continue on in school. And at 12 was like the last point of like, if you're the best of the best, you keep going on and you get to go follow around a rabbi and do that whole thing. Also at 12 is when you started learning your family trade. So I'm sure Joseph is really excited that Jesus is now 12, so he's going to go home and start learning the family trade, being a carpenter. We know from other parts of the Bible that Jesus did that. He eventually became a carpenter like his stepdad, Joseph. But we also get some really cool hints here that Jesus is like, I got to start doing another family business too. Being in the temple and teaching and learning. I love that. I mean, no doubt Jesus was probably one of the best students 
I think this part of the story proves that for us, um, which also is like a fascinating thought. I'm sorry, I'm just really, just this story just blows my mind. Can you imagine being Jesus' rabbi? Like, did, did he know? Did he know like who Jesus like, like who Jesus like really was? As he, or he's just like this kid that's like, I mean, this is a smart kid. <laughs> this is like a really smart kid. Yeah, you got to keep progressing, kid. Oh, yeah, you're like, like, at what point did that rabbi, or did he ever know? Or eventually did that rabbi get to heaven and be like, wait, no. I don't know. That, that, hopefully when we get to heaven, we'll figure all that out. But anyways, this whole like, what was Jesus like as a kid thing? It just, it fascinates me, right? Because we don't have a whole lot of information on it. There's some different stories. There's some different legends out there. You know, like Jesus made some bird out of clay and then it was able to fly away. But that's not like what we would call, you know, scripture. I don't know. It just, it really, this is one of those things I just lay in bed. It's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I wonder what Jesus was like when he was 12. Anyways, um, let's keep moving on. Verse, where are we at? Verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Like, of course, their parents are going to be like, can you imagine all of the feelings? Three days you've been searching for not just your kid, but the like creator, savior of the world that you've been entrusted with helping to raise. And then also you've got five or six other kids that like are just off with some aunt or uncle somewhere. You're worried about them. And then like, how are you going to get back now? You got to travel alone. So like, they're all kinds of scared. They're all kinds of like, oh, good, we found you. Ah, 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 ah. Like, you know that if you're a parent, you know exactly that kind of what you're feeling at that point, right? Three days they've been searching for Jesus. They finally found him. They're astonished. Why have you treated us like this? I find that part interesting too. And then this makes me question Mary and Joseph a little bit. Not like in their bad parenting. Like, I don't think they're bad parents at all. But like, how much did they know? Right? Why? It took you three days to go to the, the temple. We know from this story earlier in Luke that, you know, they were visited by angels and told this whole thing was going to happen and, you know, the virgin birth and all of that stuff, right? So they knew that you could call him Emmanuel, God with us. But how much did they really know about who Jesus really was? Was this like a learning curve thing that they all just had to kind of figure out as they went or they just know everything and then they're just so exhausted from this whole thing that they just didn't think about it, right? I don't know. I'm not really sure. But it makes me wonder a little bit because I have a curious brain. How much did they know? I don't know. Probably more than we're aware of. It also makes me think maybe that song, that Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know, is actually a good song? Nah, no, that's still a bad song. She knew. It's in there. All right. Anyways, this response is totally normal, right? We cannot beat Mary and Joseph up for this. After three days of absolute panic, and you finally find your kid, all of us would be way more harsh than this. And then comes the perfect response from a 12-year-old boy. Verse 49, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Jesus is like, but mom, of course I'm in my father's house. Why are you upset with me? Like, because you didn't get with the caravan and we were supposed to go home and now we've been searching for three days trying to find you, Jesus. But mom, I was at my father's house. perfect response from a 12-year-old boy, which is what Jesus was. 12-year-old, kind of almost grown-up-like person now, 
who's also the savior of the world and creator of everything. And he has this mixture of both of these things happening to him at the same time. What was that like for Jesus? Right? I know I'm probably get struck by lightning for saying Jesus was like, Mom! But also being a step-parent, no picnic. No picnic here for Joseph, right? Joseph is excited that after this weekend, you get to start learning, or after this week, you get to start learning a trade with me. I get to start teaching you how to go be a carpenter. You get to come be like, that. Like, I imagine for a dad, an ancient Jewish culture, this had to be a huge moment when my son is finally able to start learning the family business, right? And then Jesus gets lost. They finally find him. And Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm here doing, learning my family trade. And Joseph's like, yep. That had to be hard for him. I imagine. We know that he did eventually teach Jesus to be a carpenter because we see that in the Bible and other places. So he still had that. It was almost like Joseph needed that reminder. Mary and Joseph needed that reminder. Of like, we're not just raising any kid and raising any kid is the most important thing we any of us can ever do. But this wasn't just any kid. This was the creator of the world, the savior of everybody. That was a 12-year-old kid. Random note, this is also the last time we see Joseph in the Bible. So something happens between this story and when Jesus starts his public ministry, you know, it's like 18 years later, so there's a lot that could have happened, but this is the last time we see Joseph in Scripture. Let's keep going on, verse 50. But they did not understand, Mary and Joseph did not understand what he was saying to them. This verse makes no sense to me. I just, I don't understand it. I don't really claim to understand much in life. I don't understand this verse. How do they not understand? Jesus says, I'm in my father's house. Why are you searching for me? They're like, what? I don't get it. You know, God, that whole thing. So many questions. Last two verses. Then he went to Nazareth, down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. Obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is the part I want to focus on. This last verse. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus, we all know who Jesus is, right? Creator of the world, savior of us all, came to die for all of our sins, lived a perfect life, that whole thing. Grew in wisdom. Like how? What was it? But he's, um, what? See, we always focus on Jesus. He has this two things colliding. He is fully God with his full divinity, but he's also fully human. We always focus on the fact that Jesus, his divine nature, and he's fully God, and that is entirely true. He's able to do all of the miracles and have all the power of God because he is God. That is 100% true. He's also 100% a human, just without sin, because Jesus never sinned. But he's fully human. What do humans need to do? Grow. And not just physically, but grow in wisdom, grow in stature, grow in favor with God and with men. I love this part of the story. I love that Luke includes this in his gospel. And probably Luke got this story from Mary when they were hanging out. And so this is probably coming mostly from Mary's perspective. And I love that she includes here and that Luke includes as he writes it, Jesus grew in wisdom. I love that because it blows my mind to think that Jesus could grow 
in wisdom. We talk a lot in uh, our family ministry that every, every kid, every student is really trying to answer two questions. They're trying to figure out who am I and how do I fit into the world? It's the questions that are core to our identity. We answer those questions during our adolescence and then we spend the rest of our lives living with that identity or trying really hard to change it. And it is possible to change it, but it's hard. So Jesus, is, he's battling these same things with his human nature side. Who am I? How do I fit into the world? He's watching Mary and Joseph. We get that mostly from our parents, which is why parenting is so important and why more is you know, caught than is taught as parents because they're always watching us, right? So Jesus is learning a lot of that from Mary and Joseph about who am I? And then he's got this divine nature side where he's still communing with God. That's why he spends so much time in quiet time and in prayer because he's trying to learn that part of who am I? And then how do I fit into this world? I don't think any of us have had a harder time trying to figure out how do I fit in the world than a 12-year-old fully God and fully human combined person. It had to be incredibly difficult. I know the sacrifice on the cross that Jesus made for all of us is a huge sacrifice. But think about the sacrifice that he made of living in heaven at the right hand of God Almighty and coming down and being a baby, coming down to earth and being a preteen. That's also a big sacrifice that God made, that Jesus made. Why? For us, for me, for you. Not only did Jesus die on the cross for you, Jesus was a 12-year-old boy for you. <laughs> it's kind of silly, but... It's also pretty profound. So what can we learn from this story? I think there's so much, and I hope all of you spend like the rest of the week just like, what was Jesus like as a 12-year-old boy? But there's some things we want to learn, right? So let's recap the story. There's this big holiday. Everybody from everywhere shows up. Jesus shows up. He's 12. 12-year-old, this is a big, I'm a kind of adult-like person now thing. This is your sit at the grown-up table. This is your eating a Big Mac for the first time moment. Jesus is excited. Everybody leaves. Jesus stays. Parents freak out. It's been three days. Finally find him. Jesus is like, what? I'm at my father's house. Deal with it. So what do we learn from that story? Well, um, what was Jesus doing in the temple? Studying the Bible. They didn't have the New Testament yet because, you know, history, but they had the Old Testament. So Jesus was there studying the Bible, but there's more. He was studying the Bible, and if you have your notes, already up there, studying the Bible with people. Don't miss that. That part is huge. Studying the Bible with people. And if Jesus needed to grow in wisdom, think you do? I'm pretty sure even a 12-year-old Jesus was more wise than all of us, probably all of us combined, right? And if Jesus still needed to grow in wisdom, so do I. So do I. How do I do that? Studying the Bible with people. When you study the Bible with people, they're going to show you things that you didn't see. I love being up there with the kids because we do this and, and with the high schoolers and with the middle schoolers because they see things that I would never see. And so I get to learn new things about God and about Jesus and about Scripture because I'm studying the Bible with people that don't see the world like I see the world. Even if it means coming from a five-year-old or an 18-year-old or whoever, Studying the Bible with people helps us grow. Why are we starting a men's group? 
that's focused on studying the Bible. Because we need to grow. Because I need to grow. So I want to be around some other men that are going to study the Bible together. Why is it our goal to start a women's group this year too? Because we desperately need to grow. If Jesus needed to grow, we need to grow. I need to grow. You need to grow. We do that by studying the Bible with people. Why? Because the Bible, this is our main idea for you. This is our big idea. The Bible shows us how to experience God. Come back to what we talked about at the beginning. We all want that experience with God, right? That moment in that auditorium for me was one of the best spiritual moments I've had in my life because I felt God's presence so strong. When I study the Bible, it helps me understand how do I get more of those moments? So they don't happen every 15 years, but they can happen regularly and routinely. If you want to feel God, if you want to experience God's presence in your life, we need to study the Bible with people so that we can grow in wisdom and learn how to experience God in different ways. Because there's a thousand different ways you can experience God. It can be in a packed auditorium full of people. It can be sitting alone in your room. It can be here on a Sunday through the music. It can be sitting alone through music. We have an amazing band here, and we do this all for that purpose. But that's one day a week. You got six other days. It's never been easier to find some music, find a quiet place, and just be with God. Last six months, God keeps telling me to shut up and listen, shut up and shut up and shut up and listen, shut up and listen. I'm terrible at that, but I've been trying. And I have experienced God in new ways in the last six months by just shutting off everything and just sitting in complete silence for long periods of time. And it's awkward and it's hard at first, but God's there in the silence. And I experience him. I feel his presence. I wouldn't know how to do that if I didn't study the Bible with people that helped me understand how to do that. I wouldn't grow in wisdom unless I was doing those things. See, it's all connected. It's all connected. Because God is always, always close. When we're not feeling his presence, God's not going to force it on us. He doesn't act like that. He doesn't work that way. He's not going to force it on us. We have to draw close and identify with him. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for you. Thank you that you were a 12-year-old boy for us. Thank you that the Bible shows us how to experience more of you in our life. Jesus, I pray for every single one of us that we'll take a step today towards experiencing you more, towards studying the Bible with people more often. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your awesome name. Amen.